You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a, another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, at Sir Lucian Gaming. This is episode 200. And oh, we, we should have prepared better. Did not prepare <laughs> anything for you guys. So we are We're, we're as surprised as you. <laughs> we are just like we yeah. saw it coming. The numbers kept ticking up. And so mm-hmm. uh I yeah, it's we're just we're bad. Um but we we have a lot to talk about. It'll be a fun show. It's just like one of those anniversary shows that I'm like, oh we should have done something. Uh, yeah, we didn't do anything. That's okay. Uh for those of you who don't know, the show started a long time ago. When Lucian said, episodes. "Hey, random guy, I don't know on the internet. Let's yeah. let's do a show." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And now the rest is history, and we hang out with each other every weekend. <laughs> he still calls me random guy, though. So yeah, I'm like, "Yeah, get out of here, random guy. What are you doing? What are you doing in my house again? How did you get yeah. over here? <laughs> Go back to Michigan." I feel like if they've been here for 200 episodes. And the 200th episode is exactly like the other 199 episodes. We're in good company. But if you're brand new to the show, we apologize. We'll be better. Yeah. Well, there are those people that like yeah. hop on a podcast. So they're just like, yeah, what's going on with these chuckleheads? And we're like, <laughs> hey, we're just hanging out here. Uh, are we going longer in an hour? Uh, probably not because I have to go pick up uh, the, the child from... From his uh, his child holding cell. Yeah, had they done a surprise <laughs> drop of Spelljammer and three other books, then your answer would have been yes. Yeah, we but probably since should. There's been so. no news and no real. No, it'll be a normal show. <laughs> yeah. Um. So speaking of of news and Spelljammer and all that stuff, yeah. uh, we did get a new unearthed arcana called Heroes of Kryn. And for those of you who don't know, Kryn is. Uh, the planet that uh, is home to the Dragonlance setting. And traditionally, back in the TSR days, it was the Forgotten Realms, uh, Dragonlance, and Greyhawk were the three main kind of campaign settings. And then stuff like Spelljammer interlocked them through going through uh, spaceships. Uh, in this Unearthed Arcana, it, it explains the Kender, which are... I don't, I don't know why they felt they needed to do this, I guess, but um, they're halflings, and they're just slightly different halflings, and uh, they, it looks like they're reshaping Kender to be uh, something different from a traditional halfling in that in this Unearthed Arcana, they have a Feywild nature to them, and they're believed to, uh, maybe not from the Feywild, but they're connected to this realm of Fey for some reason, but... For all intents and purposes, they really are just halflings. <laughs> um, but the Kender traits that are in this playtest material include a taunt, which is kind of interesting. I don't think we've ever seen something like that. And then uh, they have a magical uh, bag or, or pocket that they can pull out random objects. But it is random. You have to roll on a table. So you might try to get a specific trinket or... Um, like a rope, but that won't always happen. So it seems useless to me, but uh, better for a magic item perhaps than a uh, <laughs> racial trait. But what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I always wondered um, 
it must have been back in the day when they decided to write the novels because the novels came after Dungeons and Dragons is moving along. But I don't know if it came after halflings were introduced. Like I'd wonder what year halflings were introduced to D and D because it didn't start out with them in D and D. We had the dwarf and the elf. Yeah, in basic, but I don't. It must have been. Must have been advanced D and D. Yeah, at some point. And, and I know that, that they, correlate? I know that they were originally hobbits, and then the Tolkien estate sued TSR and said, "You can't use that. That's our trademark word," and that's yeah. where halflings that's where came going. from, right. because I think in the in the Tolkien books they said, "Hey, we're halflings. Um, uh, we're Shire folk. We're halflings. We're hobbits." Because like the Treebeard didn't know what a hobbit was or something, and that's where halfling came. So, yeah. uh, Chad is saying halfling has been there since first edition, um, and that the Kender came after halflings were already established. So, that if that we want to trust, if we want to trust thinking, Chad, if we want to trust Chad, yeah. I mean, who trusts Chad? <laughs> Do you trust things on the air? Steve knows but, his stuff. He's pretty good. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> That's what I was wondering. So the writers then have, we're going to write stuff that's Dungeons and Dragons related. We're going to put it in the world of Dragonlance. And, but we don't want to use Halfling, but we're going to use all the other pieces. So we're going to change our Halfling to Kinder, which are pointy eared, smaller folk, humanoid. Yeah. But it doesn't really talk about, I didn't see anything about size. Or weight, uh, so we're not sure. Yeah, if they're si- size is small, or if they're uh, yeah. small, but that could be. What is that necessarily? Oh mean? yeah, because a gnome and a halfling are small, but yeah, like there's got, a like, huge difference and... between their height. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, and that that adds flavor to you know the type of class yeah. you're going to play. So it's interesting. I I find it interesting that the they call it heroes of Kryn, not heroes of Dragonlance. So is yeah. that a hint towards? They're only mentioning the planet. So if they were to bring out something for Forgotten Realms, would they have called it Heroes of Tyrell or Heroes of, you know, yeah, whatever of the plan it is well, versus... That's what I want to get into going next. So up the uh, next part of this is a sorcerer subclass called Lunar Magic. Which sounds and cool. I, yeah, it does seem cool. And I have been reading... Uh, I, I was thinking a lot about both this Unearthed Arcana... And the last one, which was mm-hmm. uh, Travelers of the Multiverse, which had a bunch of Spelljammer races. And yeah. I was like, you know, I kind of don't know the the Dragonlance uh, Spelljammer cosmology. So there is a mm-hmm. supplement for Spelljammer called Crin Space, um, just oh, like yeah. there was a supplement called Realm Space, which was the Forgotten Realms, like Crystal Sphere and all the planets. So I was reading... Crin space and it's uh it's all kind of coming together and i was like i kind of like the veil was parted and i'm like oh this was the missing puzzle piece so mm-hmm. with this supplement and the previous one uh crin has three moons and the moons and other planetoids of crin space are tied to the gods in uh some way 
And this lunar magic specifically says there are three moons and they're tied to the gods. And of these three moons, we have the black wizards, the red wizards, and the white wizards. And they all have these moon ties to stuff. Well, then I was researching the moons. And on all three of these moons are these shapeless creatures called plasmoids that are running around, which was a race that you could play in the previous uh, uh, Unearthed Arcana. So, uh, yeah, bye, cat. Sorry, he took off. Um, so, yes, I, I think that we're going to that it's not going to be like a spell jammer specific book, but it will be a, a campaign setting travelers of the multiverse kind of book. And what we're seeing now is the like uh, Dragonlance setting. And so it's like, here's a little bit about the planet and the moons and how to do all that other stuff. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to get a Greyhawk something that comes out too. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, that Unearthed Arcana. Well, Heroes of Kryn even talks about like Eberron's and or Eberron and the moons of Eberron and stuff, kind of tying it back into this. And then mm -hmm. later on, you have uh, there are some backgrounds, and one of them is the Mages of High Sorcery, and it talks a little bit more about that. But specifically, there are feats of the black robes, the red robes, and the white robes, and so. I, I think with the connection of the moon and all that other stuff, it's going to be uh, just crazy. So we'll see. And holy cow, thank you, Steve, for the super chat. That's really nice of you. Uh, so where does your theory stand now, Lucian? Yeah. As uh, we talk about, you said there's not going to be Dragonlance. Uh, you're, I don't know. We, we kind of didn't super define what your theory was, but I'm my, curious. My, and I'll define it without... Uh, abridging it knowing what we have now so that I <laughs> what I was saying is I did not think and it's it's looking rocky at this point that they would bring out a Dragonlance campaign book like you would have for the Nether Deep is all about you know um, wild mountain world. stuff yeah right yeah you have a, a, a book like a Ravnica or a book like a, you know one of the Magic the Gathering worlds so I was saying or predicting that we would not get a Dragonlance one only because I thought, you know, you have, you're going to, at some point last year, they want to cancel the books series that's going to be released. And had they had their way and the authors not did anything about it and just said, okay, there would be no Dragonlance books mm -hmm. if wizards of the coast had their first inclination but then they get sued <laughs> so then i think well one they don't want it they're canceling the books, so they're definitely not trying to tie it into a book they know is coming out two now we get sued over it so now maybe we want to stay away from a property where we have bad press and then you know three okay maybe we let them do the book and to calm everything down we just that's the last we hear of it we don't say anything anymore and we move on so those are yeah. the that's where my my logical thinking was going but when we release you know a ua article like this that has the knights of you know i don't even know how to say solomony yeah <laughs> welcome to my you world know? <laughs> yeah um. kender you know and we have you know they specifically talk about Cram, they name it they don't just kind of sort of talk about it or hint at it but we know it's Cran. um they name it in this one whereas like the multiverse one they didn't name a planet there to give us a hint that this stuff is for 
this campaign setting they just gave us you know yeah so and it's interesting yeah. so i think i'm on rocky ground we could possibly see a dragon lance campaign book the book is devoted to playing or running your games in the dragon lance world on the planet of kren or the any of the moons but my one saving grace is i'm hoping so that i'm not completely wrong is that it's only going to be a portion of a book that has maybe other worlds in it or is trying to show us how to do multiple world campaigns and and how to bring in maybe they're going to do a book that talks about maybe you want to have all of this stuff accessible in your campaign so here's a little bit of Eberron, here's a little bit of Forgotten Realms, here's a little bit of Greyhawk, here's a little bit of you know Dragonlance, here's a little bit of Dark Sun, here's a little bit of yeah. and it's tied together and you move around either through portals in the town of Sigil and we bring in you know Planescape and in the and the all of that but we also bring in and there's a physical way to travel using the spell jamming ships which I think are just a cool thing that we know they've been talking about but just the spell jammer ship i think is the cool thing that we want added the most more yeah. than anything it's just that idea of this cool magically created craft that allows you to travel well from and crazy world to crazy world and that's a home base a ship like that yeah. you know there's a lot of reasons to add it into the into the game yeah. uh i i agree i think um especially with all of the talk of moons in this and stuff i think the Spelljammer ship will be key. Um, and then the Travelers of the Multiverse, the Plasmoids was the one that just tied it all together for me, where I'm like, I've never mm-hmm. heard of that before. And then I was reading and specifically you know Dragonlance yeah. Moons. That That's where sense. the Plasmoids come from. And there's yeah. evil Plasmoids on the Black Moon and mm-hmm. neutral ones on the Green Moon or the Red Moon or whatever. Well, the Red Wizard Moon, which I think is green or yeah. foggy or something. And then there's a Good Moon... That is where the good plasmoids live. Uh, note, though, plasmoids have not been a playable race that I could find in Spelljammer. But I think the the fact that we're like it's not just it going a it. yeah, yeah. there it had a source. I guess is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and same with the thrycreen. Thrycreen are the insect creatures that are from uh, traditionally Dark Sun, but mm-hmm. they made their way into Spelljammer because Spelljammer. Like, it's a good monster to have in Spelljammer. It's a good race to have in Spelljammer. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really Does curious. Chat know the name of the planet for Dark Sun? Oh, what? Uh, Athis? Is it? I think. Okay, so I'm hoping we see a UA article that's something about the the heroes of Athis or the yeah. Arthas, Arthas, so that's a whatever curious they call one. it. <laughs> uh, it is Athis, yeah, the desert world of Athis. So desert Dark Sun was not part of that triangle of Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, and mm-hmm. Kryn. Uh, and it was within the Spelljammer universe, it even said that Dark Sun was separate in a way and in- inaccessible. Uh, they can always change their mind, which is what they've done about Eberron and a lot of other things. Uh, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dark Sun makes an appearance, but I I would be surprised if, like, Dark Sun, I think they would say they don't understand uh, spell jamming. Um, from what I was reading... Well, yeah, because you got to tamp down the magic, right? Yeah, and yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Forgotten Realms, there are spell jamming ports and stuff. Like there, there are people on the realms that know about spell jamming. Same with Dragonlance. There's like, I think I read like one sixteenth of the population knows that there are other planets and that there are spell jammer ships and things like that. But Dark Sun, I don't, I don't think that they would. Uh, so we'll see if that comes out. But the fact that we had a Thrykreen kind of points in that direction. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm like amped now super 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 excited <laughs> for all this stuff well it's uh, good for a lore for a lore geek for oh, sure yeah. because we're diving into some of the stuff that yeah and now before. i have like a, a focus <laughs> of research which has been really yeah. fun so i i started writing a, a a video the other day on the different races of spelljammer because i'm like what races didn't we see in that travelers of the multiverse one and then through that, I started researching Crin Space and then found all this other stuff. So I'm just, like, <laughs> writing like crazy. So hopefully, cross our fingers, I'm going to try to pull an all – not an all-nighter, but I'm going to stay up late and try to get as many videos out uh, as I can about Spelljammer and all of these different Crin stuff. And then I should probably focus on some Dragonlance videos. Uh, but it's fun. Like, I'm all, like yeah. – I'm, I'm stoked mm-hmm. about D&D lore, you know, because there's been a lull. A Kender, are you are you itching to let your dungeon master add this to your campaign or the oh, sorcerer yeah. subclass? No. Is there anything in this UA article that you're like you're going to Nathan and saying Nathan, this <laughs> gotta play a Kender? Game? No, I and that's the thing I didn't like. The it Kender. didn't impress me yeah. as a UA itself. Yeah. What it was about and what it implies for the future, I think, is the more exciting thing or the thing that more people are talking about. But the actual content of it yeah i was like uh, i the lunar the lunar magic is kind of fun and i would almost like to play a shifter from eberron the like half werewolf a a shifter sorcerer of the lunar magic would be really interesting to me um but that's you know that's combining a bunch of different things uh from whatever but um the background i like backgrounds specifically for campaign settings uh and so that's fine but if i'm not going to play in a Dragonlance, i'm probably not going to use either of these backgrounds mm-hmm. and the same with the feats and i thought it was also interesting that you were instead of creating a new wizard subclass um for these red white and black robed wizards instead they're going the feet route which is kind of what they did for strixhaven uh, you, you, they didn't create like Strixhaven school subclasses for the wizard. They created those feats that you kind of add on to whatever wizard or sorcerer you want to be. And so yeah. this, this is the same thing. So I could be a paladin of like an oath quest paladin, but I'm also part of the black robes because I took this feat and now that feat grants me extra spells. Uh, so I, I like that. I think that's kind of cool that you can augment yourself uh with these feats which is what feats really are supposed to do right like you you kind of push mm-hmm. your character into a a specific design choice but not so much that you're like oh i'm a college of whispers bard you know like you're just kind of yeah. like i'm a bard but i also part of this thing which is why i have that uh yeah. which was kind of the point with uh i think they were experimenting with this with uh eberron and the dragon marked races and I look back on that and I'm like, I really feel like I should have been not a dragon marked dwarf, like as a separate race, but I should be a dwarf that's allowed to take this feat that gives me dragon mark abilities, you know? 
Uh, and so I, yeah. it's one of those things where looking back on the design process, you can see that they're learning and they're figuring mm -hmm. out like, oh, this is kind of what we need to be doing. So, yeah. Yeah, and kind of filled a little bit with random charts or random effects. Like you were saying, the I'm just going to pull something randomly out of a bag kind I, yeah, of it thing. And then the, the feels like it should be a magic item, not a kind yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah. So they, they are definitely probably for somebody who's ready to role play into that and really wants to get into, you know, just having fun with that as part of their character. But I don't see like the the min maxers, you know. Oh yeah. Scrolling through this and finding ways to use it, or or it being something so popular that you know you there's a million of them out there. Mm -hmm. So the Kender's speed is thirty for a small creature, and that's kind of part of the design choice that I think all yeah. uh, races, all playable races, are going to have that same speed of thirty. Um, that that I think that makes sense. It too. does make sense from a design standpoint, but I. I, I don't know. I like that there are things that are different. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it would be fun if the plasmoid is like, I can climb uh, and I can stick to walls or something, but my my movement is is 15 feet. Like, I like stuff like that uh, from a... If it has a mechanical aspect to it, then it's fun to incorporate that into roleplay somehow. And I just love that kind of idea. Like, well, we have to figure out, oh, he's going to ride on a tensor's floating disc forever because he's too slow or something. Like, I like that idea, but yeah. There was there was one piece in here that I thought that I really liked that I was probably going to steal. Um, it was talking about the manifestations of lunar magic, and there's like a D4 table you could roll. Yeah. That says, could, you know, you're like you're you could glow with a faint light that matches the moon from your world. So you have that a little bit of a moon glow around you. I thought that was kind of in my, uh, Dungeons of the Mad Mage game. I'm playing the night Aarakocra, which is, um, kind of worshiping a moon God. I use Khonshu just because I'm just doing that whole thing. And my DM allows me to do it. <laughs> Khonshu doesn't exactly exist in forgotten realms, but we're going with it, but it is a moon theme, a very, you know, mm -hmm. um, character and the one one i liked in here a lot was your pupils shift in the shape to match the moon cycle so it goes from being you know crescent moons to half moon irises yeah I like, oh i think that's what my character should have I yeah that's, that's really fun <laughs> so that's a really cool thing i like those little things that they add in little little pieces you might have missed um yeah so uh, somebody brings up the the magic item, the cloak of many things. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one thing I will say out there though, is we have had UA articles and I would say in the more recent time, almost all of them have made it into a book, but it wasn't that long ago that we would get UA articles that didn't make it into books. And I remember one that was like a, they were taught, they did a Greyhawk initiative um ua article at one point back with mike morales on that but that never turned into all of a sudden we had a greyhawk book yeah or all of a sudden we had a thing like that well and so, there was a there was a magic for uh technological hacking yeah. like i remember there was like a the warlock of the machine or something and you could like have like tech spells um, mm -hmm. So you're right. They they were they do may back in the day. Yet. They they released yeah. a lot more. Uh, but I think the Warforged was like that. Like they kind of released the Warforged and then sat on it for a long time. And then they made mm -hmm. that that thing. Uh, the 
um, I don't know, it was the DMs Guild Warforge supplement. I can't remember what else, what it was called specifically, yeah. but it does uh, feel yeah. like the things they're testing now are things they know are going to be in a book, Correct. which I think would make sense. I think in, in the past they used UA to try things out and they didn't know if it was going to be in a book or not. They just said, let's put an article out. Let's see how it goes before we've decided even what book it might go in or how we yeah. might do it. But now it's, it feels like maybe it's a little more structured and maybe they are using this to, you know, somebody had the meeting and said, instead of doing random stuff, why don't we test things that we know are coming out in a year? Or why don't we test a couple of things we know that it comes out in two years and we know they work on a very long cycle. So, and they they're, have they're a, the a play company. test team, I'm sure, but this is yeah. the, which I'd love to get on. Yeah. <laughs> but this I've is one, one of those things uh, that they, these are more towards the end of development. And I think, you know, things have been tweaked every so often, but specifically what I'm thinking of is there was the Valentine's Day, like, love cleric that got drastically changed to something else, and the Strixhaven magical subclasses got drastically changed. So right now, they're they're not looking for playtesting as much as I think they're looking for how does the audience feel about this kind of a thing. Well, even um, Artificer. Remember the original UA of Artificer... And what we thought we were getting was not exactly what we yeah. got. Or, and then it was not. drastically changed for drastic as well. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. It was very different, in fact. <laughs> so who knows? Yep. We'll see. Um, I think it's cool. I know Wayfinder there, are, there is an audience for Dragonlance, so I'm sure they are super happy and super ecstatic. I wouldn't want to you know, throw water on their parade or anything. I'm, I'm happy for them if this was the campaign world book you've been waiting for. And hopefully this is your, your lifeline that you might get it. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily... The one I'm still looking for, another UA article on more spell jamming would be awesome. <laughs> or, you know, there's some other things. Well, and I'm still waiting to yeah. see the new worlds that they And that would be about. the, I just, you know, and I really feel like they need to release, um, if they have spell jamming flight ship mechanics, that is something that needs to be released. Like, I don't think yeah. you can, or as a, needs to be Battles an unearthed arcana. How does it work? Yeah, and, because yeah. that's a whole, like, well, how do I add this to this? Uh, but you know they how do you they, create the ships they've how been working you... on ships with uh ghosts of saltmarsh had ship mechanics that mm-hmm. i didn't really care for and those were refined a little bit more in the uh baldur's gate descent into avernus descent stuff into Avernus, yeah. um but we haven't Orange had ones. a lot of good good mechanics about that yeah. yeah so yeah i agree I totally agree because I think we could have some really cool. Like, what does it mean to be a pilot? Mech warrior yeah. kind of, you know, like powered armored or like mech based magicals. Yeah, and I want to say this before I forget is like I I couldn't find the article where I read this, but I read somewhere uh, that one of the Starfinder like writers and lead designers is now working oh, yeah. with I just saw it on wizards. Twitter. Yeah. He's now working, or they are now working with Wizards of the Coast, and it did feel a lot like, hey, we want to break into this Starfinder mar- market. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to come over here and help us design, redesign Spelljammer for a Starfinder kind of yeah. setting? And so uh, I, I, it feels very much like that direction. So, But I wonder if, it, if we would have gotten mm-hmm. this. Like, you, we talk about their, like, their long-term plan, but... Was it the jokes of Spelljammer confirmed for like eight years that 
allowed them to finally be like, maybe we should look into this. Like if people want it, you know? Yeah. I want to, I want to behind the scenes after it's out. I want to put the question out there. Okay. Now tell us, when did you really decide to do it? Was it a year ago? Was it two years ago? Has this been something you've been planning and you've been yeah. memeing us about for 10 years? You know, what is it? When was the, I'm going to be a fly idea? on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> tell us now. Cause now it's out. You don't have to, you don't have to keep it a secret anymore. When did when was this going to be a reality, and how long did you hold on to it before you gave it to us? So, we'll see. It's the first hint that there's something else coming after the uh, Critical Role book. The yeah. um, it feels... the Nether Deep is all I ever think of. I can't remember the full title. It's just <laughs> Nether Deep in my head. Nether Deep, yeah. yeah. Uh, Call of um, the Nether Deep, I think. Call of the um, it. It's beginning to feel more Spelljammer and less Planescape to me. Uh, which I thought was interesting. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. And I also the Monty Cook Plane Breaker 5e book that finished their Kickstarter. I, I'm now like all of these things are coming together. And I'm not that he has inside information, but from a Jordan Dungeon Master standpoint, <laughs> it would be awesome to run some kind of like pirate Spelljammer adventure and then incorporate that book into yeah. the my campaign. So I really like that idea, which is interesting because I, I have my players all signed up for this uh future Eberron game that I'm gonna run, but then new stuff comes out and I know I'm gonna be like, well hey, you guys want to play this instead. <laughs> so who knows? Jordan, I feel like behind you is a floor full of choking hazards. Yeah. What's going on behind you? I just um, noticed. <laughs> yeah, so there there my uh two year old found my jar of pennies <laughs> okay. and uh jar of other coins. And he proceeded to dump them all out. Now, he's done this before. And I said to him, you got to pick them back up. And then he, one by one, picked up every coin and put it back in the jar. No, no, no. (laughs) And I was like, what a great way to keep you occupied for like 10 minutes while I edit a video. (laughs) So then uh, yesterday he did the same thing. And I was like, you got to pick it up. And he's like, no, daddy, do it. And then he just walked upstairs. And I'm like, all right. So uh, I haven't had a chance to clean it up yet. But you're right. It is a severe choking hazard. And the cat is a little upset that his uh, favorite place to sit is covered in pennies. It's just like covered in copper coins. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Funny. All right. Back to the news. Back to the news. <laughs> so, plasmoids. Uh, yeah. So that's that. Um, there is for those of us who are, uh, or for those of you who remember, there was a bunch of old Forgotten Realms games that came out on the PC in the eighties, um, and they're like the Beholders something or other. I forget the names of them. Uh, but yeah. Our, well, the archives. Um, and it's what is it called? It's called Eye of the Beholder. That was dumb. I don't know why I didn't think about that. Um, And these have been available on good old games for a while, I guess. But they're coming to, uh, they're coming to Steam, and I thought that was really cool. So I have never played them. Do you know about these? They're kind of the really old ones where you're you're looking at like a dungeon and then you hit the like left and your whole body turns as you're like yeah, looking in the new I thing. I feel like I remember so. them being in the store shelves when I would go into the computer game store. That yeah. Still have the big boxes. I don't know if I ever bought any or played them, but I remember seeing the box art and I remember looking at them and, and being interested because it was D and D, but it was also computer games. Yeah. Which was kind of new and not necessarily, um, because I never had consoles, right? I, the yeah. only time I got to play consoles was go to a friend's house. 
But computer games, that was something that I might be able to get into because they're, you know, my aunt would have a computer and maybe that would that would work. So I never looked at console games. I would just always look at computer games because that would be something that I might be able to buy. But yeah, I'm, I would be interested in them to see, God, can you imagine something like that working on a modern day? Like, because I've tried to play like Neverwinter Nights back in the day before they remastered it. Uh-huh. To work on like a Windows, you know. Oh yeah, that's and that's versus, the cool thing about this is they're yeah. they're not like remastered in the in a graphical sense, I guess. Or, no, or the, yeah. but they're they're made to work on these newer PCs and uh yeah. for and for me, I I I do like good old games, but boy, it's really nice to have everything in my Steam library because uh, I'm a big PC gamer. Yeah. Um, so to pick these up would be really cool, but it's not like it's not just the forgotten realms like if you look at the article that i linked down in the description Mm -hmm. there's the forgotten realms collection one two and three which has a whole bunch of stuff um specifically in collection three there's a menzo berenzen adventure then there's a crin series that's like four or no three different games and so i was like well that's really cool there's a dark sun series there's a ravenloft series and there's one of my favorite campaign settings that has not come about in at all is now alkadim and there's the genie's curse which is uh kind of more of like a point and click adventure uh and this one a lot of people talk about is one of the, like the the coolest games or at least i guess in the Alkadim setting people that I hang out with. I don't know. So I, I was, I'm really that curious. Group of 10 people. Apparently <laughs> no, it's kidding. really tough. Like these are really hard games. I put this on Twitter this morning and a lot of people were like, well, I guess my 10 year old self will see if they're can get through, you know? And yeah, uh, but yeah, it sounds like a streaming opportunity for you on a Saturday night. Who knows? That could be a lot of fun. And, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we had a lot of people <laughs> say, stream. I want to watch you play Baldur's Gate on Twitch, and I never did it really, but I should have. Uh, yeah. But these are these are just kind of interesting. I'm really these are curious. Super old school, yeah, yeah. But this is, I mean, you play Cave of Cud. I do. You yeah, liked, you know, That's you like these older games that they have brought back. Um, they were the old ASCII. They were the old yeah. kind. And of I've never played these, cool. so they might be awful. It might be a lot of fun. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. I just it's a it's a you know the late '80s, early '90s kind of PC gaming was very different than it is obviously today, uh, yeah, where things gaming. were very kind <laughs> of like point and click and yeah. story driven as opposed to a Mario you know on the on the Nintendo was not story driven. It was gameplay yeah. driven, and so the game had to be interesting without interesting visuals right because nowadays you can do photorealistic cool characters and and explosions and all kinds Mm. of you know super high-end art artwork can be on the screen and you can be running around in that world but back then you didn't have any of that so you had to make your game stand out either by gameplay or like Mm. you said story or the 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 things you're doing have to draw you in and want you to to keep going with it so it is it was really a different time for gaming then because just how they keep your attention was different yeah so it would be interesting to go back we don't have any of the spelljammer games on here i think they made one spelljammer game that was a part of this like series and that didn't uh that didn't make this cut apparently so but i don't think that one is available even on good old games, I think it just has never been remastered. So, could very well be interesting. I think that'd be a good YouTube stream. Could be fun. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I don't know. So anyway, that's that's that. Yeah, that comes out the end of March. 
Uh, and I think I just found that interesting, so I put it out there. Um, mm. I wanted to talk about a quick Kickstarter called Griselda's Guide to Ghost Hunting. Um, I saw that uh, Nerd Immersion Ted did a, a, a thing of this because he really likes Ghostbusters and ghosts and stuff. And I don't know a ton about it, but it looks really good. It looks super cool. And I like the idea that like ghosts have always felt very underwhelming to me in D&D. Mm-hmm. The possession mechanic is kind of just frustrating. Um, but overall, it's like everybody has a magic item. We can all attack ghosts. Like da 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 And so I thought this was kind of a fun way to make ghosts scary again. And I would like to use some of this in a uh, Ravenloft kind of adventure. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, but it's, again, this point of pushing D&D into, I want to use these mechanics, but a very specific way. So I'm going to limit certain things and make other things more difficult for the sake of the story, you know. And we're getting away from this idea of, well, everything's allowed at my table kind of a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought this was kind of interesting. So if you're curious about it, they are uh, – it's funded. It's got 25 days to go. Um, and I, I, I guess I won't talk about it more than that other than maybe your reaction there, Mr. Lucian. But... <laughs> uh, I, th- I find it interesting you brought it up because I feel like at some point this week I was reading either a, a – article or a blurb or a tweet on twitter somewhere and it was either 2c gamer and cobalt press that was talking about their book that's going to have like ghosts and stuff in it supernatural stuff and and the line that stood out to me was once you use these in your game you'll never go back to the D &D ghost Mm -hmm. and then what you just said about ghosts we have ghosts we have specters and you know those kinds of things in our monster manual but they are kind of underwhelming and probably could be so much better. There could be so many cool mechanics, so many cool different types you could add, so many different things you could do if you really dove into it. And this, I can't remember if it was 2C Gaming or if it was Cobalt Press, but there's somebody out there bringing a book out right now that was like, we're we're amping that up. So there's other, so maybe yeah. Griswold's Guide to Ghost Hunting will be good for you, but you also might look for one of these other books that are coming Yeah, I know Cobalt Press was doing a an Undead book, or is that Jetpack 7 or something? But yeah, I, I remember. One of those groups. I yeah. Mean. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I've been wanting to, I mean, I want to run everything, but like Ravenloft is one of those classic ones that I kind of want to run as well um, and haven't yet. Yeah. Well, and like the supernatural of the ghost inspector is always cool and different, I think, than from the werewolf vampire yeah. monster thing. They they usually get included, but yet you can be very different. That can be very, you know, you can go a very different way with that. And I think you could have some fun campaigns with ghost inspectors because they can be something that your players can't easily overcome. That's what I, I want a haunted house to be scary, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like if we have a werewolf in a den, it's like, okay, I need silver weapons. I go in there, I kill the werewolf yeah. and it's with, got hit points. We'll yeah. It and out. with yeah, ghosts, yeah, yeah. it feels the same way. And maybe that's it. Maybe ghosts don't need hit points. Maybe we need to get <laughs> rid of go, that yeah. or something yeah. because Your it's like, uh, do it's like, Oh, I've got a magic weapon. Let's go into the haunted house. I'm not scared. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And so, or ghosts yeah. need to be able to control the environment more. Like I, mm-hmm. I, what makes a haunted house haunted, you know? So, yeah. Uh, I like the idea that ghosts, you have to deal with indirectly. You can't deal with them directly. It's not a punch yeah, them in the face. That would be good. 
encounter. It has to be you have to figure out what other thing it is that's going to affect and shut it down versus I just, like you said, pull out my magic weapon or I, I'll cast fireball and the, and the ghost will go away. And you'll be like, mm-hmm. nope, you lit the room on fire, but the ghost is still there yeah. throwing chairs at you or Every time it hits you, you know, your hair starts to go white or what, you know. I always thought, yeah, I always thought a ghost should be a, a, you know, the non-corporeal, very hard mm. to deal with kind of thing. Well, in order to deal with a ghost, we need to figure out, well, why are you still here? Like, it's a puzzle more than it's an encounter, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Um, that Because I, I remember throwing a ghost at my players and my wife was just like, well, like, can I hit it with a sword? Like, like in her mind, it's like, I shouldn't be able to do that to a ghost. But, like, game mechanic-wise, you can. And so then they just treated it like another monster. And it's like, ah, that's okay. Yeah. I did... Now, one of the more memorable encounters in um, Revenor, which was the campaign I ran for a bunch of fans of the show, was... I forget... I don't remember if it was Ghost specifically. I'd have to get the Monster Manual or if it was Spectre. One of those ones that is a corporeal, you would think of as Ghost, has the mechanic that when they hit you or they possess you or they move through you, there's the potential if you don't make a roll, you lose, I think, like 10 years or 50 years or you roll to see Oh, you like rapidly of, age, yeah. You, you do a rapid age thing. Well, that mechanic was there. I did it to one of our characters and he rolled like the highest you could possibly go. So it was like almost like 50 years went by. And then he role played it really well. Like he... He had creaky bones. He was like, his voice kind of changed when <laughs> he was it. playing his character. And the other party members really kind of dove into the whole letting him role play it and play it out. And I thought that was just a really fun moment for something like that to happen where your buddy that you've just, you're out adventuring just 50 years has tacked on. And all of a sudden he's, and he was human. So it made sense. It wasn't like they're elven. So, all right, they have a thousand years anyways. It doesn't yeah, yeah. affect them. It was like, they're human. This guy's going to die soon. <laughs> you know, it's like he just aged that much. So I thought that was kind of a cool moment. In the yeah, we don't have fun mechanics for like age. Like if I wanted to play, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking about Forbidden Lands by. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So in Forbidden Lands. Free League. Free League. Thank you. You can select. If you select an older character, you get more like expertise kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, you're not as good at certain physical things but if you choose a younger character you have like the potential but not the expertise and Mm -hmm. i like that they did that and it would be interesting not that that translates exactly to what we're talking about now but the concept of an older character should have something different and what would happen to a character if they are rapidly aged uh Mm -hmm. what are the the consequences of that or what are the you know benefits of that or something i like that idea you come home and you're just as old as your dad or something. It'd be hilarious. (laughs) So very cool. Um, there's a humble bundle that's out, uh, Goodman games for fifth edition fantasy. Uh, and I don't know much about this other than I like Goodman games. They make really good stuff. And this was a pretty good deal. Um, incorporated in that humble, humble bundle is also a coupon code that you can use on Goodman games store for like 20% off. So if you're if you're into humble bundles, it's cool. Uh, check it out. There's uh, links in the description. Um, I have played. I didn't zero realize games. they made so many fifth edition stuff, but it makes sense. Everybody makes fifth edition stuff because yeah, it's you know it's what people are playing. Raiders of the well, Lost and everyone's Oasis. been shifting towards five E too. 
Um, like I know Money Cook Games, they were doing their own thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, let's start making. I mean, that's where the money is. Let's start making stuff. And Goodman Games originally made a bunch of 3.5 stuff, and then when they came out with uh, their book, uh, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, they Mm -hmm. really focused on making content for that because, in all honesty, nobody else was. Yeah. And now I think they're like, we're kind of in a position where we can make, like, side-by-side. So a lot of the, the Kickstarters that Goodman Games has been putting out lately is usually like here's the do you want the 5e version or do you want the dcc version like they're they're making them cross compatible so uh and i think you'll find that going forward they've been talking about doing like monster books and stuff like that and it's Mm -hmm. always like here's the 5e monster sat block here's the dcc monster sat block and so uh yeah that's about it so this is part of their fifth edition franchise and yeah that's cool. But yeah. they've got Goodman good writers and stuff. They make good stuff. So Yeah, good artwork usually with Goodman Games stuff, mm-hmm. usually good quality stuff that you can buy. Usually pretty thick books, too. They don't mm-hmm. skimp on the content that they typically give you. I feel like if you buy a Goodman Games book, for the most part, any of the ones I've seen, you're getting your money's worth just in paper, <laughs> yeah. just in the size and in the amount of information. They're not giving you like a, only a 10-page thing and trying mm-hmm. to charge you 50 bucks for it. So I always... I always like Goodman Games in there. Their merch always looks really good. Their booth at Gen Con was always fun to go and, and check out and get sure. something from. And yeah, so great. a lot of these are adventures. Um, but I, That's what I it look like. Yeah. I really like the Monster Alphabet. Uh, that is system That's neutral. Cool. Just a really cool. Like, how do I describe monsters? How do I create mm-hmm. monsters? It's a uh, you know, and it's like oh, it's for oozes, and then it has a whole bunch of stuff about oozes. That's a, just a really fun book. I have a hard copy of it back there. Um, so. Yeah. Very cool. We did talk about Kickstarter, so I'll just bring it up because we've talked about it for the last two weeks, but the uh, Brandon Sanderson Kickstarter, 19 Days to Go, if you've missed it, the number one largest Kickstarter ever, fastest growing, all that stuff, 27.8 million and still growing as we yeah. go. So there's going to be some really cool books coming from Brian Sanderson's secret Brandon novel. Sanderson, four. Yeah. Brandon Sanderson. Brandon. I keep saying the, I the other word as well, and it's not. Four yeah. secret novels. He has been releasing spoilers if you want to know what you're getting. I'm of the route. I'm not going to watch any of that because I just want to I want to be totally surprised and just read them as they are. Cool. Um, but if you want to you want to know what you're getting, you can definitely they've been putting videos. Are you a are you a physical book novel reader or are you an ebook novel reader? I used to be a physical book paperback sometimes hardback if it if like the george r r martin ones i read all in hardback um robert jordan ones i read all in hardback but i think that was just me being a teenager and and thinking it was cool to go buy those big books but then i would love a paperback you know at night i would read for a couple of chapters and then go to bed read a couple chapters go to bed and just have one every single night but i've turned into the ebook once I've got the, you know, the the pads and the, my phone, I can put Kindle on there and Kindle, and I'm a part of Kindle Unlimited, so I can see all the books that are out there now, and it's just so much more convenient. I read practically every night a Kindle book of some sort, so now I'm an e-reader person. So. Yeah, audiobook is my other. My other friend was, he started like I did, paperbacks hardback books all the time he switched to audiobook and has never gone back so he only does audiobook i still do e-reader stuff so, yeah what about I, jordan no i i love my e-reader um and i wish 
it's weird because I like physical books for tabletop RPGs, but usually that's mm-hmm. because they're not formatted for an e-reader and it's True. kind of difficult to flip back and forth and kind of understand what I'm reading. But for yeah. just novels, I, I do a lot of the e-readers, but I don't like the, the LCD bright screens. I like the e-ink displays and yeah, that's what I way. use. She likes that so. paper look or that, that non-bright. Non- um, but I'm, I'm usually always reading before bed and whenever I go on trips or something, I have books with me in the car and yeah. I, so it's easier to haul that around than a bunch of other books. Yeah. Uh, I always use night but, mode on my e-reader. So it's black background, white lettering. And ooh. that always seems to be better than the white and the, you know, yeah. the big glaring white in your face. The other thing is I, I feel like I've never been diagnosed with this, but I feel like I'm, I'm slightly, uh, dyslexic i think maybe or something because i have trouble reading words sometimes and and my art my eyes can't focus uh so with that i love that i can increase the font size of anything i'm reading and so that was one of the the huge things because sometimes i'm like oh this is too small and i feel like an old man with a magnifying glass sitting on my couch reading a book but you'll find that sometimes with some of these uh like uh the old school essentials stuff was like you know, the book was small. The font was kind of small. They packed a lot of information yeah. in there. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But it's such a weird yeah. topic for our show. But I'm going to go one more. To, yeah. Do you ever use the auto scroll feature? I've never tried it, no. I've never done that. But I, I, it must be there because there must be people who turn that on. And it just slowly and just scrolls read. up. And they just read as it goes. But that just freaks me out. It's like I can't do it. <laughs> like if it gets turned on accidentally, I freak out. It's like, ah, this thing's possessed. Put it down. And That's funny. I got to turn it off. I can't do it. <laughs> all right well if you haven't get it go go and see if you like the brandon sanderson stuff i think he's i would love to see a ttrpg from some of his worlds you know he's got his main world but he has written for some other stuff i watched too, his so. cause i watched a video where he did uh and it was a, about a year Cosmo, ago Cosmoverse. cosmere yeah cosmere and he said what is the cosmere and he was talking all about like how he came up with it and stuff um and I'm intrigued. Uh, apparently, DM Nathan and a bunch of my players and and uh, uh, DM team they love Brandon Sanderson yeah, and talk about it a fans. lot. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. so uh, we're gonna take a a road trip in May, and I bought uh, the first audiobook. And so I was like, well, maybe I can get everyone to listen to this audiobook on a drive. Because uh, that's the only time I really feel like I can listen to audiobooks. Because otherwise, I get distracted and then I don't yeah. know. But if I'm that's driving, then it's like, oh, it's fun. Yeah. Um. But I was gonna try and read once I finish some of the other books I'm on. So, yeah. uh, thank you, RPG DMCA. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> From Michigan down to New Orleans, and that's a big 14 hours, and we breaks it up into two, you know, big seven hours. Get a hotel, seven or eight hours, yeah, and then you're you're finally there. And it's like a tradition. We always listen to uh, Monster Hunter International audiobook all the way down, all the way back up. We just love that series. But we always pick this book that we we love, but we want to listen to it again. And the, the person that reads it is really good. The story is really engaging. And it is fun just to mm-hmm. have a nice long drive, like you're saying, and have a cool cool ebook. Yeah. in. Uh, thank you, Mao Peach, <clears throat> for the super chat. That was really nice of you. Yeah. Uh, Lucian, I, I haven't played any games um because uh, i'm actually playing today lex is running a Yay. game for me but that's an every two week game so that's why i didn't play last week um and but i'm excited for that that it'll be a lot of fun uh what is lucian been doing in the world of dungeon of the mad mage dungeons of the mad mage 
it seems like for the last three sessions, so this is about three weeks running straight-ish, we've been on the same level. I feel like I'm ready to move down to see what's next. Um, this has been a very, I think you would have liked it, drow-centric level. This would have been the level that I think Jordan, the player, would have really liked to go through. Like if somehow you didn't want to do all of Dungeon of the Mad Mage, but you got down to that part and you got to, you know, run your character through that and the storylines and the things that are happening. <laughs> it's a level that reminds me of one that you would enjoy just diving into and playing and, and seeing all the things that are happening. It's very drow centric, two factions of drows, you know, there's intrigue going on. And, um, but the one thing that I thought was a funny comment from our dungeon master, uh, just after we were done streaming it, was the way we went into this level was almost like the back doorway, like the way that wasn't really expected. Like there was a door that kind of blocked you and there was a normal way you would go. And the adventure was almost written as if they knew you would go this other way. But our party went the other way as if we went in the employee's entrance of an amusement park. So, you know, it's like going to Disneyland and you know what Disneyland is like. And maybe you've gone six or seven or eight times and you can, you know, the gate, you know how you get in, you know, all the places you love to go and you love to run around. But then if you were to go in the, the way the employees go in, it's like an alien world all of a sudden. And yet it's a place you've been seven or eight times but yet now you're in the background of everything or now you're behind everything. And that's kind of what this level was. There was this area that we were just moving around in the background. And it was funny that we came up to everything in the backwards order that I think they wrote the whole adventure. So it kind of made the whole thing. He said it made it running really weird because like there's a guy, there's a whole, and again, we're doing spoilers in this. So if you don't want spoilers, you'll have to wait, you know, plug your ears for a moment. Um, there's this part where there's the, a drow that's willing to say, hey, I'll help you defeat the other, I'm a spy, I'm just here undercover, but it, let's let's work together and we'll bring this house of drow down together. Well, he was the last guy we got to, and if you go the other way, I think he's one of the first guys you get to. So he's the last guy. We've already murdered Hobo the whole... There's no living creature on the level when we get to him. And he's like, makes his offer, hey, I'll let's take down this house of drow together. And we're like, there is no house of drow anymore. They're, they're all dead. <laughs> so it was like a really weird interaction, you know? So it was really, a uh, we, and we're murder hobos. So really, <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> I mean, why would you try to ask that at all? So it was just, it was interesting. So I thought it was a funny thing where you could tell, I think if you read the way the writers wrote that level, they thought the players would go a certain way and they structured things that way. Mm -hmm. But yet there was a way for us to go a totally different way. So it kind of messed it up a little bit, but it was fun for us as players. We didn't know we were just moving around. And has, has your like rank in acquisitions incorporated gone up or anything? Like, are you yeah, guys still doing many that? times? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we've gone up three times. And what happened was, is for the first one, we got the, the old inn on the on the corner or old house and we turned it into an inn and, and rooms above then when we leveled up again they gave us the block and that's now all of our we have like a, a we had a sprawling like compound of a couple of buildings that were all mm -hmm. ours now we had employees they sent us employees they they do things yeah, there yeah that's cool and now we've leveled up again and we own the whole north quarter and we have our guards and acquisition inc 
symbols walking the streets and they know us and they know who we are when we pass by and we're heading back down to the, you know, the dungeon or whatever. So yeah, he's, uh, our dungeon master has incorporated quite a bit of the, you're growing in power and your franchise is getting bigger and bigger and bigger within the city of Waterdeep, which has been pretty fun um, and pretty cool. And we get abilities and we get, you know, like uh, our, our documenter's pouch keeps getting more and more cool abilities as we go yeah, up in that's cool. franchise level. And that was like, I I'm just the really cartographer liked, goes up in levels. Really liked all those settings and stuff. I thought that were really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So super fun. Uh, our dungeon master is doing a great job. He is the dungeon master from down under our Australian uh, dungeon master. So that's been good. We're, you know, that we're at that 11th level. I feel like we've just moved. Yeah, because I'm still 7-4. I think we're about to hit 12th pretty soon. But we're about to go down to the dungeon level of 11, I think, is where we're about to be. I think we're on 10 now, technically, if you look at the maps. Um, so. I'm curious about your leveling. Like, are, Do you feel like you're leveling at an appropriate rate? Or is it slowed down now that you're in the in the almost teens? No, I think because we're not doing experience leveling, and it's more about when we move down a level or we're towards the end of finishing this level and we're about to go down into this level, he's almost doing more of a milestone. Okay, now you guys are this level, which happens to correlate with we're about to go down and up further. So I think that's worked out. And so in our mindset, it's like, we just realize we have to get through this level before, you know, we're going to see the other one. And if we dilly dally, that's going to be three, four, five sessions. If we really get hammer through some stuff that, that could be shorter, but it's really on us. I but think those, if we were doing the XP, it goes that forward. exploration could also net you gold and yeah, yeah. Uh, items and things like that. Yeah. I was toying around. I really liked the idea of, and I don't know why I've never thought of this, but, uh, Matt Colville did some video where he said, you know, just tell your players when you get the staff of raw from this guy, you will level up and then they, (laughs) they will be like, Oh, well now I know exactly where to go. I know what I, you know, use that as an incentive. And with this Eberron game, I've been writing, I've been trying to come up with points where I'm just like, you will be this level when you, when you do this. And I want to tell my players up front about that. Like, no, if you want to get to next level, the minute you accomplish this, you guys mm-hmm. will be level like five. Uh, how you're going to accomplish that is up to you. Like, you know, but that's that's my that's what's going to happen. That's the next tier of the game is when you accomplish this. Uh, being that my players are so focused on levels and like getting more powerful, I think this will be. A, um, a very good incentive. Uh, and I'm curious yeah. how it'll work. And I, I'm surprised that I've never used it before, you know? So, yep. well, one thing that's happening in Dungeon of the Madman, talking about incentive and for your party, um, one thing that our Dungeon Master has done to try to help us experience the whole Dungeon of the Mad Mage and not just try to speed run it, right? Um, has been our mission that was given to us from Acquisitions Incorporated headquarters was to map the levels of the dungeon and we can get penalties if we don't map the entire level. So we can't just do half of it and say, ah, forget it. We're just going to, we're going to move forward. You know, it was like, so we are focused on a goal. The goal is to create maps for our headquarters. The map, when it gets to like 
90% will, will gives off a, a ding, letting us know that we have mapped enough. If we want to That's do the full 100, yeah. we can, or we can move on if we want. And if we do too many rests, if we go back to town too often, there's a penalty too. So it's it's in a way to make sure that we're not going up and down too often. It's in a way to make sure we're really trying to explore the majority of the levels without bypassing too much. Um, and I think it's been a good mix of reasons for our characters doing what they're doing, but also making them really at least live in that space for yeah. a little while before we move on. So it's been it was cool. It was a good idea. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, that's really cool. Uh. We will be back next week, I guess. We'll talk about stuff. Do you think there will be a book release or a book announcement between now and next weekend? Well, let's look at our notes because it's March 15th the book is out? I think so, yeah. Is that what we were saying? For Call Um, of the Netherdeep. Call of the Netherdeep, yeah, because we were saying it was 10 days away last week. Um so that's next week. We'd be able to put pick up Call of the Nether Deep. So they have to put an announcement out for something next, right? I mean, they can't. We can't go through the rest of March not knowing what the next book is. So I'm I am imagining we get last week of March. I think we get something. That's okay, my, my guess. Last week of March. They got to. They got to tell us when if they're going to. That do essentials a kit live. still has to be announced officially. You know. Yeah. And a so, box set has to be announced. So they have are all they of these things. Live? Things are coming out. So okay, cool. Well, I'm curious about what's going to happen. Less mm-hmm. curious about Critical Role, sadly, but more curious about other stuff. All right, we'll say just as a quick note, the Paizo stuff for those of you that are Starfinder, Pathfinder. This month was kind of adventures and there was some stuff you could pick up but i think it's next month that you're more excited about because they've got some books coming out that look really good so the april releases look good we'll talk keep your eyes out uh that is our show ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for hanging out with us on this wonderful saturday morning uh next week will be a special episode of number 201 to celebrate 201 episodes, apparently. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for the super chats, and thank you so much for chatting with us and hanging out this morning. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Take care.